Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and in this episode I'd like to talk to you about four great reasons for faith. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we find, So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. I like the King James translation of that verse better. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a response to the preaching of the gospel. Jesus had been crucified seven weeks earlier, and undoubtedly the events of the final week of his life before dying on the cross were still in the conversations of many in the city of Jerusalem. There were so many different opinions about Jesus. Some had thought he would deliver Israel from Roman rule and set up an earthly kingdom. Others considered Jesus as simply a great teacher. Still others had seen him as a prophet. There were those who thought of Jesus as a blasphemer. Of those aware of Jesus, probably very few were neutral. Then, within about a 12-hour period of time, Jesus was betrayed by Judas, deserted by his apostles, arrested and tried by the Jewish council, then scourged and crucified by the Romans. For the next seven weeks, the apostles were silent as far as public preaching was concerned. Then the Jewish feast day of Pentecost arrived. Due to the feast, Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Acts 2, 1 through 4 sets the scene. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. That great day closed with the verse we started with. What happened? Why did approximately 3,000 people become Christians in one day? The events that led to this day had prepared them, and the preaching of the apostles on Pentecost gave the people Four great reasons for faith that are as valid and true today as they were then. First, consider the miracles of Jesus. Very near the beginning of his sermon to the Jews assembled in Jerusalem, Peter spoke to them of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, we read, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. What Jesus had done throughout his ministry was not secret. His miracles were meant to be faith-producing, done to demonstrate who he was. Many years later, Paul stated to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 and verse 26, For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded 
that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. That is the very point Peter made to the people on Pentecost. He spoke of the miracles and said, Just as you yourselves know. When Jesus was in the midst of his ministry, we find the following reference by Jesus to the miracles he was doing in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6. The Bible says, Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. If he had wanted to, Peter could have very specifically made reference to the healing of his own mother-in-law by Jesus and to the multitudes who brought their sick to him to be healed. Consider Mark chapter 1, verses 30 through 34 with me. Now Simon Peter's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. There was so much that Peter could have said on that fateful day of Pentecost. He was there when Jesus stilled the turbulent waters of the Sea of Galilee by merely speaking. He was there when he raised the widow's son and there when he called Lazarus forth from the grave. Even Herod had heard of the works of Jesus and had desired to see some. Let's ask this question as we discuss reasons for faith. Why did Jesus do miracles anyway? Well, look at John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, which tells us, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That was pretty much the point. The Jews on Pentecost must have felt the force of this logic, for they could not deny the power Jesus had demonstrated. It was too well known. Jesus himself repeatedly called attention to his miracles to produce faith. In John 10, verses 37 and 38, we find, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am the Father. In John 14 and verse 11, Jesus said, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Jesus performed the many signs, wonders, and miracles to prove who he was and to produce faith in those who saw them. However, we don't have to have been present to have them produce faith in us. We have the historical accounts of what Jesus did. Indeed, John wrote in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, the following. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. On Pentecost, Peter didn't stop with the miracles. He continued on. The Jews had long looked for the Messiah, the Christ. 
Peter used the prophecies to show that Jesus was the one for whom they were waiting. He began with Joel's prophecy about the day when salvation would be preached in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. He referred to the words of David from Psalm 16 and verses 25 through 28 and summarized his points in verses 29 through 33 in the following way. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. How many prophecies could Peter have used in this sermon? He could have referenced Bethlehem, the prophesied city of his birth. He could have told how his suffering was clearly predicted by Isaiah 53, or the unsettling specifics of the manner of his death, in Psalm 22. He could have told of his being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, a sum specified in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. My friends, there are at least 60 of what could be called major messianic prophecies and hundreds of Old Testament references concerning him who was to come, all of which were fulfilled in Jesus. The Jews looked for the Christ to come and they anticipated a kingdom in which they would not only have freedom from Roman rule, but in which they would rule the world. How much time could Peter have spent in the book of Daniel? In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, we find in Daniel's explanation of Nebuchadnezzar's vision, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. As Daniel showed, this kingdom was to come before the days or during the days of the Roman Empire. And it was happening, just as Daniel said. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we find, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. The prophet Joel spoke of this happening in Joel 2, and Peter was preaching the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. They were in the last days Joel had spoken about, and Jesus was raised up to be king on David's throne. This was the message the Jews had looked for and anticipated, and now it was happening. Now it was a reality. With fulfilled prophecy, no wonder many believed. In fact, it makes you wonder why there were not more. We must not forget the power of the resurrection, reason three, for producing faith. In Psalm 16, 8 through 10, we find, I have set the Lord continually before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you all allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Peter used this very prophecy to convince the people in Jerusalem on Pentecost. Let's reread verses 29 through 32 of Acts 2. It is so powerful 
as we can envision Peter standing before the multitude and saying, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which you are all witnesses. The leaders of the Jews knew that Jesus had foretold his resurrection, and that is why they requested that Pilate place a guard on the tomb. Peter told them, This God, Jesus, or this Jesus God raised up again. He said that the apostles were witnesses of the resurrected Christ, but that was not all. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, we find, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. On that great day of Pentecost, Peter could have asked some very pointed questions. He could have asked, you put a guard on the tomb, where is the body? Or he could have said, hundreds saw Jesus after he came forth from the tomb. Will you speak up and tell the crowd that you saw him? My friends, the resurrection of Jesus is central and basic to the gospel. But I am made to wonder that with that kind of evidence, why more did not believe? Indeed, why more do not believe today? And finally, there is the message of the promise as a reason for faith. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we find God saying to Satan in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. God later elaborated on this promise when he said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 3, And in your seed will all nations of the earth be blessed. The Jews had long looked for the fulfillment of what they simply called the promise, but that promise had not yet been fulfilled. Now Peter was preaching that it was. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Years later, when Paul preached to the Jews in Antioch, the same theme was used. In Acts chapter 13, verses 22 and 23, we find, After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. The Jews had always been told that the Messiah would come. Prophecy of the Christ was used constantly by Jewish teachers. The promise was a continual subject of their study and meditation, and now it had all come together for them. Peter concluded his reasons for faith in Acts 2 verse 36 when he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 
as we have seen when they were asked what to do, they were told to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. As a result, verse 41 tells us, So then those who received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. But that wasn't the end. It was the beginning. Verse 47 tells us, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. But still, the story does not end there. When people today hear the same story and become convinced by the same reasons for faith, they respond in exactly the same way. The gospel is as fresh, thrilling, and powerful now as it was for those Jews in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. I pray that you'll give serious consideration to these things, and thank you for listening.